Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, but just simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. So let me start out today with a question. Do you consider yourself psychologically mature? Now, now, don't get your hackles up. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to get you to feel nervous or anything, but... What is this thing called psychological maturity? And just off the top of your head, what do you think? Maybe you have a hard time answering that. And the reason I think you might have a hard time answering that is because, in my point of view, psychological maturity is a relative issue. We have to understand the relativity of this thing that we're calling psychological maturity. And why is that? Well, essentially because we're not really consistently always mature. Sometimes we stumble a bit and things come out of us that, well, maybe we feel a bit embarrassed or taken aback. Why did I say that? Oh, my gosh. And sometimes we, we wind up looking at ourselves and feeling like we don't even know ourselves. Now, that may happen infrequently, but it happens. It happens. It happens to the best of us. I know when, when I get less than a five-star review on one of my books, I get this like bee sting of, oh, why I can't stand. Yeah, it's, it's that immature response. Of course, not everyone is going to love Joe Luciani's books, but yet there's that little bit of immaturity that wants everyone to love what I've written. <laughs> and why not? <laughs> okay. But you you understand the things that I'm saying. Sometimes we produce things we want everyone to kind of embrace. And, and, and we have this uh, kind of childish view of the world sometimes, this black and white view that things need to be a certain way. And when they're not a certain way, we recoil. So you, you see what I'm saying? I'm bouncing around. Sometimes we're mature and we have mature responses. Like I would say, well, that person gave me a one-star review and I can understand that because sometimes, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, that would be nice. Uh, but sometimes we're not always open-minded, are we? And sometimes that insecurity creeps in and asserts itself and we wind up feeling this thing called immaturity or psychological immaturity, emotional insecurity. Now, if you were to ask me if most of the patients I've worked with in my career are immature, I would have to say, again, in a relative sense, yes. Now, I don't mean to disparage or to insult anyone I've ever worked with, but to some extent, it's the immaturity that drives them to the therapist. It's the habits of insecurity that paralyze us. 
and prevent that progression toward a more full maturity. Now, do we ever become totally mature? Eh, I don't know. That's not something I can answer. My intuition says no, that we can become relatively mature. And as we grow in wisdom and our own psychology, we begin to become more and more mature and less and less immature. But, you know, patients that are driven into therapy, there is that child aspect, that immature aspect. Take worry, for example. You know, you wring your hands, oh, and what if this happens? And what if that? There's a childlike quality where, where you kind of abandon that mature, objective connection to life. And you're in this kind of hysteroid kind of feeling about what's going to happen, that anticipatory, oh, no, 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 no. So, you know, sometimes it's that immaturity, that child, they always call it the child reflex. And I'll explain that a little bit. Uh, I went into it in, in greater detail last week. But essentially, you know, we were all born insecure. No one escapes that. And we compensate insecurity by trying to control life. And we develop habits, habits of control. Worrying happens to be the most ubiquitous of all of those habits. And we develop other habits. And, you know, we insulate ourselves. We deny things. You know, so these are habits of insecurity. But they're laid down. And here's the point. They're laid down at a very young age. So they have a primitive quality to them. So as you grow up, you have these habits, which are less than conscious, as any habit, habit would be not hobbits, but, but but these habits are a bit less than conscious. And therefore, when they when they kind of bubble up to the surface, there is a, a noticeable childlike quality to them because they are coming from the habit that was initiated back when. And you could see that in worrying, especially in that anticipatory kind of panicky feeling. You could see it in depression. It's too much. I can't handle this. You know, it's it's going into and conceding to a child impotence rather than recognizing the mature potency, the objective capacity and potency available to us today. So we see that that maturity is undermined by the habits of insecurity. It's undermined by the reflexive habits. And the reason that's important is because sometimes we're not always aware that we're sabotaging ourselves. It's like when you shoot yourself in the foot and you say, oh, God, I can't believe I told her that. Why would I say that? You know, where did that come from? Well, sometimes we, we do. We do things that are uh, inexplicable. And sometimes these comes from habits of defense. Let's say the person you insulted was hitting a nerve of yours, an insecurity nerve. Maybe it has to do with self-worth or self-esteem. And they were implying that that new dress or that new jacket you were wearing was eh, just so-so. Implying, not even, but you interpreted that as an attack. And what came out of you was this response, retaliatory response, defending that very wounded, impotent child ego. How dare you say that about me? Not that you say that out loud, but your response kind of embraces that as you 
as you throw those jabs back at this insulting person who told you your sport jacket was not the right color. We undermine our maturity in so many different ways, but typically it's because of our own habits of insecurity. Now, I'm not going to get into, and again, if, you, if you're really interested in understanding the, the process of how we develop these habits of insecurity and what you can do about them, please go back and listen to last week's podcast because I, I think we went over it pretty thoroughly and I'd be glad to go over it again if, if I get some emails from you at selfcoachinghelp at aol.com. Let me know. I'll be glad to revisit any of these concepts. So for now, I won't go any further into the habits of insecurity, the childlike habits that can undermine and sabotage our personal sense of psychological maturity. But let's get right into the concept of psychological maturity. Because today, what I want you to do is to practice becoming more mature. Now, when I say the habits of insecurity, keep in mind that all habits are learned and all habits can be broken, which is why the title of my last book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, because we can unlearn these habits. So I'm going to lay out for you today just some, some kind of simple things you could begin to do to enhance your progression toward maturity at the expense of suppressing that child reflexive quality that comes out every once in a while and manifests itself in insecurity. One thing we know about immaturity is we know it when we see it. And I'm sure you can think of a dozen different examples of displays of immaturity, people melting down, people acting like children as that child reflex again. Have you ever, have you ever, uh, this has happened to me no less than 10 times in my life, maybe, maybe 20 times. You're at the end of a line or someone else is at the end of a line. Let's not use me personally because I'm so mature, right? <laughs> so you're, you're in line and the person behind you is behind you and a cash, a cashier opens up another uh, cash register and she says, next in line. Now, Theoretically, you're next in line because you're closer, but the person behind you interprets that very differently. So they run over to the cash register and you're standing there fuming. Wait a minute, I was next in line. Now, I've seen instances where it gets pretty ugly, where, excuse me, but uh, I was next in line. And, and you know, this, this develops into a brouhaha. And that level of immaturity can get quite uh, exaggerated, especially if the cashier just shrugs his or her shoulders and just says, well, what do you want me to do? And you go to battle then, and it can escalate. Take road rage. Oh, my gosh. Right? Horrible things. I mean, this has happened to me inadvertently. I was, I was driving uh, in a parking lot and looking for a space. And there was a space I saw coming up on my right. And as I was driving toward that space, the person on my right or the, a parked car on my right was beginning to pull out. So I tapped my horn, beep, just like that. And I didn't want the person to not see me. 
And I went over and pulled into my spot. And this guy, he was an elderly guy. And he gets out and he's red-faced. And I'm, I'm, me, I'm clueless. I'm walking toward the store. And he starts screaming at me, you animal, you're an animal. I had no idea what he was saying. But he was, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. I really did. I, I didn't even want to discuss with him what was going on because he was beyond even comprehension. He was just pure emotion, pure psychologically immature. And I thought about it later, and you know the way I interpret it, as we psychologists often do, is because this guy felt threatened. He felt that I was reprimanding him, that I was telling him with my beep, I was telling him that he was wrong, that he shouldn't be backing up. He didn't like that. So there's an example of a child reflex or immaturity, psychological immaturity. So I guess you hear me saying that whenever the child reflex is at play, there's a darn good chance we're going to be displaying immaturity. So we know immaturity when we see its absence. Guy in the parking lot, the little person in line at the cashier, and, and the many examples you could come up with. And in your own life or those that you've seen, those that have embarrassed you because you felt embarrassed for someone else, right? Most of these experiences are all displays of psychological immaturity. I thought today would be a good day for me to give you some tips on really becoming more psychologically mature. Isn't that wonderful? And why wouldn't you want to be? I mean, there are tremendous payoffs for being psychologically mature. You don't shoot yourself in the foot. You don't go home feeling embarrassed. You eliminate and minimize stress in your life. You become more effective, more objective, more potent, more optimistic. You know, there are many, many reasons why a life of psychological maturity is worth striving toward. So let's talk about what you can do to become more psychologically mature. How about becoming more flexible? You know, life itself demands flexibility. And woe is the person who decides they have to control life. You know, that, that gets a lot of people in trouble, especially if you have compulsivity or OCD or feelings that everything needs to be in its place and my life has to go a certain way. Well, if you're clinging, rigidly clinging to the way life has to be, watch out. Because you know, and I don't have to tell you, that life will always find a way to undermine those intentions. And not always, but eventually. You just can't control life. So the more flexible you are, the more you can adapt to change. Because to the psychologically immature person, change is toxic. They fear change for many reasons. First, it interferes with their agenda. And the agenda makes them feel safe and in control, which quells that insecurity habit. So for many people, they become inflexible in order to feel safe. And yet they are in a world that requires flexibility. So we see right off the bat, there is conflict, inevitable 
conflict. So you need to become more flexible. Get away from black and white thinking. Start relativizing life itself. And don't be a slave to your agendas. So you wanted to get out for that job today, but you know the boss called and they want this report in by 9 a.m. Okay, be flexible. Tomorrow's another day. But if you are inflexible, if you are psychologically immature, then your day's ruined. That's it. There's no tomorrow. <laughs> you didn't get your jog in and you're distraught. Again, don't be a slave to your agenda. Don't be that controlling. You know, whether it's getting into that particular college or getting that promotion or perhaps getting that colleague at work to notice you, don't be rigid. Recognize that sometimes a flexible, psychologically mature person is able to, when plan A doesn't work, they're able to shift to plan B or C or so on. Flexibility gives you much more range to be successful in life. And part of being flexible is being resilient. You know, resiliency is, is really a wonderful capacity, you know, that endurance, that ability to endure until you find what you need. You more or less identify with what can be done in life, not what can't be done. And you hang in there until you can get there. Yeah, these are the optimists of life. And optimism, oh my gosh, I could go on for many a podcast on the benefits of optimism. But if you want to be psychologically mature, then trust me, optimism is the way to go. Now, optimism, pessimism, you know, no one knows the future. But I'm sure you'll agree with me that optimists live a much better life in the present. And it's much easier to stay objectively mature about life from an optimistic point of view. So let's be flexible. Let's stay resilient. And let's take ownership and responsibility for you, what you do, what you say. I mean, don't you just hate that person that's never wrong? <laughs> I do. <laughs> You know, no matter what you say to that person, you know, if you try to offer critique or constructive criticism, it's always met defensively. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> so, you know, and, and you know, it's it's part of a wounded ego. They're just unable to take criticism or see their own mistakes. And typically, of course, they'll blame others. No, it's not me. It's you. Uh-huh. So in order to take ownership and responsibility, it does take a level of self-honesty and acceptance. Now, self-honesty, of course, depends on seeing clearly and objectively. So again, we run into a, a kind of conflict there with any unconscious habituated pattern, such as the child reflex. But be as honest as you can. You know, you could at least make an attempt to be more honest just by asking yourself, am I being honest here? Oftentimes, we don't even do that. We just are, we become reactive. And in a reactive state, we're in a non-thinking state. And we do things that 
are not really in our own best interest. We become defensive. We know it all. We don't take responsibility for our shortcomings. You know, when I was young, in my teen years, I thought I knew all the answers. And talk to any teenager today, and you'll see. Their opinions are very strong. And they know everything on any subject. Just ask them. <laughs> they know it. Uh, now that I'm older, I realize I don't even know the questions. You see, so we we kind of relativize that black and white thinking, that adolescent thinking. And that's a lot of what trips us up as, as adults. It's a lot of what prevents us from full psychological maturity. It's that kind of adolescent spin on things, the know-it-all spin, the thinking that you you kind of protect yourself by believing that you know everything. It protects you from thinking that you don't know everything. So that's that's definitely not taking ownership and responsibility. And if you're letting yourself react like an adolescent or younger from that child reflex, then what happens? Well, but keep, you know, but do keep in mind that, you know, an emotionally mature person, that's the person who knows what they don't know. And they don't argue just to be right. And, you know, I guess in any argument, it's a debate. You can, you know, you can say yes, but, and yes, but, and yes, but, and yes, but, because you have to be right. Well, if that's you, if you are a yes, but person, if you have to be right, well, you're displaying some immaturity there. You're not taking full responsibility or honest responsibility and ownership for your life. And you need to actively seek out multiple points of view. Why? Because that's maturity. If you get tunnel visioned, if you become too black and white, you know, that's that adolescent, narrow perspective. A psychologically mature person looks for more breadth in their understanding, more viewpoints. And dare I mention politics? I know. <laughs> and, don't have, and don't even think I'm going to get into po politics other than to say that basically what we see in our world today, in our country, and, and what's going on around us is kind of an ethnocentric, an ethnocentric kind of response. It's our culture, our thinking, and that is appropriate. And everyone else is wrong. And that ethnocentric response is really based on an immaturity. It's, it's needing to be black and white in a world that's gray. It's it's needing to see things in a more controlled way than in a flexible way as the world is. We want to make it very black and white. I mean, a Republican in our country might feel very strongly that Democrats are demons and demonic and wrong and all of this stuff, whereas the Democrats might feel that Republicans are demonic and totally wrong. You see, it's because your perception, your opinion has become solidified. And in an ethnocentric way, you're saying that any other way is the enemy. And then we dig our heels in and we are protecting ourselves from the enemy. And when that happens, 
we wind up with a psychologically immature, what would you call it, rupture in society? Is our society headed towards psychological immaturity? Perhaps. Perhaps. For Republicans to see Democrats and Democrats to see Republicans in a more wholesome, honest way, you'd have to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. You'd have to be able to understand the other person's argument, not just your own. You know, that's psychological relativism. But it's also psychological maturity. So if you ask me to understand what an opposing view of mine might mean, uh, I could do that. I could put myself in that person's shoes and understand where they're coming from. Maybe I don't agree with it, but I can totally understand the reasoning behind it. And I don't see that reasoning as irrational or demonic or anything else. You see, so that's what psychological maturity offers you. It offers to let you know you don't have to be alienated from half of the people in your life, which is very important when we get together for these holidays and we have a political relative. Everybody has a point of view, and they believe in their point of view. And if you have to try to take that point of view from that person, why? Is it ethnocentricity? Is it defensiveness on your part? Why? You know, I always say, and I, I truly, truly believe this, that everyone is, is entitled to their own neurosis. So if someone is spewing irrational thoughts, whatever they might be, political, psychological, philosophical, and they are truly irrational, okay, you don't have to agree, but who are you to say that person needs to be healthier? Or that person needs to be more psychologically mature. Now, if you're saying that, doesn't that make you kind of arrogant? That that person should be something they're not? I think so. So let, you know, give yourself the opportunity to realize that everyone is entitled to not only their viewpoints, but to their neurosis. <laughs> and I think you need to become or you need to work to become emotionally balanced. You don't want emotions dictating your life or your responses. You don't want that child reflex contaminating every single step of the way. So you want to become balanced. You don't want to become this vacillating, angry at one moment and capitulating and sad. You want to try to work towards balance, calmness in your life. And that's where optimism comes in. Optimism allows you to kind of relax a bit, to calm down the, the kind of uh, DEFCON emotions and just kind of, you know, realize, you know, there is a relativity to all things. Life will go on. Optimism allows you to do that. But again, with insecurity, uh, where does optimism go? Well, insecurity undermines it with pessimism. So we don't want the reflexes of the past to dictate our thinking today, because then our psychological maturity becomes eroded. And one thing you need to do if you're on this path toward wanting to develop more psychological maturity, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to find a true sense of who you are. I remember 
I guess it was Harris's book from way back in the 60s or 70s, I'm okay, you're okay. You've got to realize you're okay, fundamentally. Yeah, maybe maybe there are glitches and you know problems and habits that have come that have interfered, but essentially, you're okay. Start with that premise, and you've got to believe in yourself. Now, maybe the best way to believe in yourself, if you really don't like what's been happening very much in your life and you've been acting very immaturely, is to see yourself now progressing. Believe in your progress. Believe in your efforts to become a better person. But you got to believe in yourself because you have a fundamental center of being okay. And we're trying to become more okay, if you will. You know, I remember a concept, true self, false self. What is your true self? Now, the false self is, you know, that persona we put on that's, you know, just kind of an affectation of insecurity. We pump ourselves up. We're inflated. We're arrogant. And that's not the true self. You want to stay centered. You want to believe in your true self, in who you are. You can ferret that out, but you got to be conscious of these things. You've got to look inside and open yourself up to these things. Speaking of opening yourself up, you've got to become more approachable. You know, emotionally mature people are able to prefer to talk with people, not at them. It's a big difference. To talk with people, you need empathy. Yeah, optimism doesn't hurt, all that good stuff. But you need genuine empathy for others. Remember what I said before about the politics. You've got to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And most importantly, not be judgmental. Well, you know, judgments are based on preconceived notions. And they can really impede your quest for the truth. You know, maybe it's part of that ethnocentricity. You know, we look at Republicans seeing Democrats as demons and vice versa. And, you know, we, we make judgments. They're wrong. <laughs> okay. But how can they be wrong when they feel they're right? Well, you know, this, this is be careful of judgments, especially judgments based on partial information, prejudicial information, right? So you want to be able to neutralize any preconceived, narrow-minded or neurotic judgments, notions, prejudices. This is part of becoming emotionally mature. And I would say, in conclusion, I think you have to have a good sense of humor. I love humor. And I think this is a, a cornerstone, a true cornerstone of emotionally healthy people. People like to laugh. People love humor. If you want to become more popular, you better keep this in mind. People are going to like you more if you make them laugh. And why is that? Well, because when we laugh, we, we kind of step out of life's seriousness for that moment. It's lighter. It feels good. And if you make people laugh, you're making them feel good. And if you make them feel good, they're going to like you more. Now, you don't have to walk into a party and do five minutes of your best stuff. But look for those opportunities to inject a little humor. Everyone likes to feel good. So cultivate that sense of humor. Don't be so serious and dour. Cultivate a sense of humor. See the lighter side of life. It's there. 
It's a choice. It's like optimism. Yeah, there are pessimistic aspects, just as there are humorless aspects of life, terrible aspects of life. But every once in a while, isn't it wonderful to step over into the, the bliss of forgetting the, the bad and just kind of bathing in the good? Humor does that. I know Carl, Carl Jung, the Swiss psychiatrist, he, uh, he once said that he always worried more about patients who didn't have a sense of humor. Think about that. And I guess part of what he was saying was that things get much more serious for a therapist when there is no humor, no capacity for humor. When that goes away, where is that person left? So sense of humor, one of my favorite aspects of emotional maturity. So in conclusion, I think that, you know, today was kind of an important day to let you know that I feel that psychological maturity is a, a relative goal that we set for ourselves, and we can become more and more mature. But you've got to be aware of the importance of becoming more mature, and conversely, becoming aware of those things particularly those things driven by insecurity that are holding us back from reaching that level that we are capable of. And trust me, if you can develop more psychological maturity, as I said earlier, your life will become much more fluid, much less stressful, and perhaps even more important, you will have the resilience and ability to handle life in a much more formidable capacity. Because when a child wants you to stay in their room because they're scared, and that four or five-year-old is saying, don't leave, don't leave, just stay with me a few minutes, what are they doing? What are they saying? Well, they're saying, I need your maturity because I'm not feeling safe. Well, you need that maturity because we live in a world where certainly you can be challenged and not feel safe. But who's the adult in the room? And putting it more precisely, where's the adult in you? The mature, healthy adult. And visit my website, selfcoaching.net, where you could learn more about my self-coaching philosophy. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, it's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. You're not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. And what do you say we make it simple together? Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart This is your way Life is what you make of it Believe in yourself Reach out for your dreams